0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Kinda Libertarian. I'm Jeff Siegel with the psychedelic athlete.
1: (laughs) On the ones and twos. (laughs) Is that that how that works? Is that the ones and twos? Remember from last episode, I I was playing that back and I'm like, dang, I didn't know what the ones and twos were. Well, dude, you're you're an athlete, man. The ones and twos should be your guns, man. The ones and twos. The ones and twos are your jab and your cross, or it's a jab and a jab cross. There you go. Yeah, you know, you know, it's
0: funny when uh just when I said psychedelic athlete, it made me think about. I ju- I just watched a um, documentary last night about um George Clinton and, and Parliament Funkadelic, kind of like the oh, I guess yeah. the history of it. I don't know how accurate it is because George Clinton was not in it; he was not interviewed. Um, but apparently, like he was a fucking horrible person. I'll get to that in a second. But the um so Parliament Funkadelic, like there was a group called the Parliament's, and then they had another group that they had to come up, come up with a name that had to be separate from parliament so they they were like well it's funk and it's psychedelic so they just guys like funkadelic and like it's just yeah. random like they came up with that name and i was like if you get the funk mike you could be funkadelic
1: mm, i do like that i should at least hashtag things that mm. funkadelic yeah I'm a fun, They call it a funk wrestling. Have you ever heard of funk wrestling?
0: Never heard of that.
1: Yeah, funk wrestling. Well, actually, Ben Askren is a well-known. He's probably one of the most funky Ben Askren. He gets the name based off of his style of wrestling. And, and funk wrestling looks like the wrong style of wrestling, but it is a, it is a way of reacting to your opponent, being unpredictable. Uh, Dominic Cruz has what you might call funk boxing in the same aspect. His movement is very unorthodox, and um, I have a little bit of a funk sort of wrestling approach uh, as well. So yeah, I like I like that, Funkadelic. But it sucks that it might be based in something that, are you, is this gonna tarnish the band for me? Knowing no, about, no, no.
0: okay, so, good. So basically, and I don't know, again, I don't know how accurate this was because George Clinton was not interviewed in it. And there's a two sides to every story. That being said, having worked in the music business, it sounds very similar to a lot of other stories I've heard of other bands that I've known. Basically George Clinton like ran that thing and, and he took everybody's money. Like they would go on tour, and at the end of the tour it was trying to settle up and he was like you know here's a bag of coke and dude's like i want my fucking money i don't want fucking coke you know and like he was hustling with like a <laughs> Colombian drug dealer and the people weren't getting paid and they weren't getting like the the mechanical royalties on, on different things and writing royalties and all this stuff it was kind of sad you know because it was just really i i, I never pictured george clinton like that i always thought he was kind of like a you know down to earth kind of cool guy and it turns out he was just another asshole musician who just took advantage of people that didn't know any better. And it's sad because someone could look at that and say, who's like very anti-capitalism, they say, well, this is, this is capitalism. This is what happens with capitalism. Like, no, this is what happens when you have people that aren't ethical. It has nothing to do with the, full, yeah. like, the system of capitalism. You know, that could happen with any, anything. But it's just the fact that George Clinton, if this is true, he basically stole people's money and got away with it. That, stealing is not capitalism. It's, yeah, it's really no. the antithesis of capitalism because capitalism is a supply and demand, give and take, you know, you, you're, uh, you're compensated for something, you know, you know, there's an exchange of goods, a, a voluntary exchange of goods for services, uh, goods and services for, for compensation. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. I was thinking about yeah. the punkadelic thing. And <clears throat> unfortunately, um, it, it bummed me out a little bit, not to the point that I'm going to stop listening to, to parlour, yeah. but you know, it was, um, It was pretty cool to like see some of the people that were there and, you know, like the, the band members throughout the years were like the top guys. I mean, these guys were no joke. So the fact that George Clinton was able to like steal from guys like Dennis Chambers, who's arguably one of the greatest drummers ever, you know, it's, I don't know. It was, you know,
1: dude, I'll say this. If you have had a lengthy time of existing and creating cocaine chronicles and you manage to not screw people over, you are a freaking saint. Because pretty much everybody who does copious amounts of cocaine finds ways to screw people over, and like somehow, like you know, checks and balances it on the inside. That is a drug right there, dude. I, that makes you live in some different sort of a mixture of mania, turmoil, and just uh, yeah, the ability to do some. I don't know. Like I said, if you've done a lot of cocaine and you haven't screwed somebody over, you have like a first row seat and like get in the line heaven because you're good.
0: Cocaine is an amazing fucking drug. I've only done it a couple of times as many, many years ago. Um, I wouldn't touch it now because who the fuck knows.
1: Woo. All right, three times now. (laughs) I don't know what I just swallowed. (laughs) The drip. You got a little drip. Maybe, maybe.
0: (laughs) But um, what was I going to say about Coke? I I don't know what they're cutting it with these days, you know, and I'd be afraid to try it. But also, Coke is so awesome. Like, I totally get how people Uh, get addicted to it. I only did it in my life. And both times, I was just like, I feel fucking invincible. This is amazing. I don't remember why I didn't do it again. I think I was nervous. I was like, I like this a little too yeah. much. And this is, this is going to go nowhere fast if I...
1: That's I- it. That, that's a good way to put it. I did it one time. I don't like the idea of putting anything up my nose. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of doing a drug that turns people into monsters. So <laughs> yeah. the combo is just meh. And
0: there are well, a lot of monsters out there. I don't think we need any more drug-induced monsters.
1: No. No.
0: Speaking of monsters... <clears throat> I'll probably get some shit through this. Um, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Okay. He, okay, so he signed a law recently that bans abortion as early as six weeks. So I don't know if you know much about knocking people up, but I do. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: someone could be pregnant for six weeks and, and not even know it. Right. Um quite a few people are pregnant at six weeks and have no idea unless they're trying to get pregnant. It's not going to fly unless, you know, the, unless um, Roe v. Wade gets changed somehow. But it was an interesting, I'm going to pull this up. There's, I don't know who this person is. Someone put this quote out and I thought it was very interesting. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. It says anti-choice people are not trying to stop abortion. They are trying to legislate who can and cannot have abortions. Because conservative politicians, their wives and mistresses and daughters are always going to be able to get an abortion somewhere. All criminalizing abortion will do is keep people trapped in poverty for generations. That's the goal. And if it wasn't the goal, they would spend their time and money on comprehensive sex education, free birth control and free contraception. What do you think about
1: that? Mm. Well, oh God, you know what? Take th- this will be fine. Talk for 10 seconds. I'm going to run and put my dog in the back room. He's just whining <laughs> over here and he's driving me nuts. He's pissed off oh. about Texas. And- I know. He's oh. all feeling it. Come on. Too much, too much whining. Let's go. back to your
0: room. So while Mike is gone, I, I just, I don't, like I said, I don't know who, who said this. I, I found it on Twitter. Um, feel free to, to let me know if you know who said it. I, I, I don't know if I believe, I think there's a very valid point in what this person said. Um, I don't know what the intention is, and we bring this up a lot on this on this podcast. What is intention? I can't say what the intention is of people who want to ban abortion, um, whether it really is religion or it's just catering to people um, who think abortion is wrong. That's how they get votes.
1: So, I just caught the tail end of what you were saying. My my first thought on somebody, not necessarily the 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 exact quote and the specifics but just the idea of banning something like that i think it definitely seems like a political sort of issue where you have a lot of people who are what anti abortion i don't know what percentage but but what percentage of people would you guess um, I don't know about if in this state, if you want to isolate it, but what, what percentage of people there's a, there's still a large number of people who are what anti-abortion. Right. Right. I mean, it's probably so,
0: rather large. I think there are more people that, um, what do you call uh pro-choice? Yeah. Than, um, but I suspect in certain states, it's, you know, a place like Texas, I suspect it's probably 50, 50.
1: So that is going to be a problem because... On either side of every coin, there's usually a candidate or, you know, especially when it's that big of a thing. I definitely, my big thing is the timetable. It, it seems very odd because what was you say? Six weeks. Yeah. I mean, that really only gives you two weeks from the normal indicator. But a lot of people, like if you're just thinking it of the, the warning signs, right? Well, what's the big one? I missed my period. Right, right, which could be four weeks, essentially. Right, right. But then, at least to my knowledge, from girls I dated, sometimes a girl might shift or yeah. barely get one. I mean, sometimes they skip a period, depending on the person. Right, like sometimes they'll just have a month where it just nothing happens. Right, um, for whatever reason, maybe they're not eating enough. Maybe for, for who knows. So. I mean, six weeks is just such an unrealistic That What is it now? What, what's the, what, what do you know? I, I would say, bro.
0: I don't know. I, I I'm sure. I mean, there's gotta be a cutoff, I'm sure. But I yeah. think it's mostly just for, you know, I think it's dangerous at some point. Um, I don't think that they care about the six week thing. I think for them, it's just about dismantling Roe v. Wade. And this is another mm-hmm. attempt. Now, prior to the Supreme court being heavily weighted in conservatives was less of an issue. Now all this stuff is going to go to the Supreme Court. Course, I think Mississippi has something similar. And I think that's going to the Supreme court if I'm, if I'm correct. And I'm just going to um, say Michael Rappaport has a, uh, a podcast and he always says we don't, we don't do uh, fact checks. So anybody listening, yeah, no. you know, if I, if I'm not looking it up, I'm just guessing. So don't, you know, leave a message like do your research, you know, no. maybe, I will, maybe I won't, I don't know.
1: This ain't right. your show, if that's you.
0: Right, right. I'm just talking, <laughs> you know. But I really do believe that it, it it's not um it's not about the time. It's more about how can how can they dismantle Roe v. Wade? I think the interesting thing about that quote, though, that really hits home with me, is when this person says, "Because conservative politicians, and I don't think it's just conservative politicians, it's any politician. I don't think that's fair." To I mean granted conservatives are the ones that typically say we're anti-abortion, but there are plenty of Democrats and liberals that would fall into this category too saying that their wives and mistresses and daughters are always going to be able to get an abortion somewhere. There's so much fucking truth to that, man. So much fucking truth to that. And it's who are the people that are most at risk of not being able to get abortions Poor people? Yeah. You know, cause you, whether you have access um, to uh, an abortion clinic, or access to, you know, basic um, sexual health, sexual care, you know, going going to Planned Parenthood, you know, some places there's not a whole lot of them, some places there are. The deeper south you go, the less opportunities you have to get contraception, to to, to get checked out, to for young girls to learn about contraception and how they get pregnant. I mean, it's sad to say, but there are a lot of people in this country, kids, that's they'll watch a lot of porn on internet, but have no idea that they're going to, they could get knocked up. Oh, well I heard if you have sex the first time, you won't get pregnant. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. I I forget, but growing up, I did hear a lot. You do hear a lot of stupid things about that and people aren't sure. And I've just always been the curious Google it sort of type. I mean, Google was around for me when I was, uh, I guess ask Jeeves or whatever, all that was starting when I was in, in school and, and curious. But before that, especially, and a lot of people don't Google things. I yeah. just assume everybody Googles everything they're unsure about.
0: Dude, if you're 16 and you're like with someone and it's getting hot and heavy and you're about to get late, are you going to be like, hold on, let me check something, pull out your phone and like look it up? Fuck
1: no. Yeah. You know, yeah, no.
0: Lucky if they're going to take the time to put a condom on.
1: Right. Exactly. You know?
0: I think it's it's unfortunate. I know that it's it is a very tough issue for a lot of people. Um, You know, does life begin at conception and and, and all that? And you know, it's um. But what's really sad is that the people that are the people that get thrown under the bus, you know, they're never they're never the people with access. They're never they're never the people that have the ability to gain access. You know, how many of these politicians have mistresses and girlfriends and daughters and wives, if they get knocked up, they're good. They'll find a way. That's, that's not a problem, you know, but if you're like some 15 year old girl in Baltimore who just got knocked up by your stepbrother, what are you going to do, man? You don't know what the fuck's going on. And what if somebody says, oh, you can't get an abortion because, you know, it's eight weeks really
1: yeah i uh I just don't understand wh- i don't understand drawing a line in the sand that that isn't like obvious like to me it's obvious to say that it doesn't make sense to wait till the last minute to get an abortion right mm-hmm. like it doesn't wait it doesn't make sense to get an abortion seven months in okay for, for me I get that there are some sort of rules, but I mean, to be completely honest, I don't even know if I think that should be a law. I just think that it should be thoroughly frowned upon and you should have a stern talking to her. No, I mean, we should look at other options or I'm not sure. I say that in partial jest, but to be honest, I just don't know where you can draw a line in the sand. And it's silly, honestly, it's silly to to make a statement of something like six weeks, you might as well say that there's no excuse and you shouldn't do abortion at all at that point. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that sounds like the stance to be had if you're gonna think you can't do it at six weeks because of the particulars, like that's just not a feasible timetable at all. So it does seem like a, it seems like a slow, I think the overarching thing would be completely anti-abortion, I guess. It's definitely a step in that direction
0: I, st- I still maintain that you know while the the baby or the fetus is attached to the mother, then the mother still has dis- the decision over what happens to what's inside her because it is attached to her. It, do- yeah. it does not live without her. Nothing happens without her. so whatever she chooses to do with her body, you know. So be it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a fan of abortion. I'm not. Um, I think I can't even imagine having to make that decision. Um, But as long as that thing is attached to a woman, like a, like a parasite, which is really what we are, you know, Mm -hmm. then, then it's her decision. And this whole ah, six weeks is fucking bullshit, man. They're they're pulling this shit all the time. They've been pulling this shit for years. Uh, You know, this, you know, mostly conservatives and um, I'm fucking sick of it, dude. I'm fucking sick of it. And, and I think it's very dangerous. And, you know, if we get to, cause I used to think that, you know, some things could never happen. Like I have a friend who's a lawyer. And I asked her, I'm like, do you think they'll ever overturn Roe v. Wade? And she's like, no, because she gave me some reason. It was like, I, there's a, there's a name for it. But anyway, she was very confident that um, it could never be overturned, but I, but she couldn't answer the question, you know, can individual States erode parts of it to make it very difficult? Which is basically, as far as I'm concerned, the same thing as banning it outright. If you have one abortion clinic in a state, I think Mississippi has like two or something. And you know, typically, I'm guessing most women that need abortions are not even women yet; they're young girls. You know, maybe don't even have a car or driver's license. Yeah, it's um, it just it just stinks of this kind of authoritarianism that, as libertarians, we're supposed to um, we're supposed to oppose.
1: And, it, it, and something that, that you've, you've talked about some on here before and something that's always worth considering is what, what crime does it now create? So we're creating some sort of crime now because now you're going to create a black market for something like this, other means of something like this. Um, and and what, what happens as a result of being the state that has those rules. So then what happens? Do people try to get in at other states where maybe they could find a way to finagle it? And then is that person a criminal in their own state? Mm-hmm. And you're creating, you're creating a lot of crime um, just based on this law. So, like, what's the point of the law to ban them from being able to do it? Well, what if they do it? What's the punishment? What's the punishment for trying to kill your your, your baby then? Trying to abort your own baby well, and what happens to them? How long do you go to jail for? How long mm-hmm. and and you're doing and and it's really odd when you see such distinct things happen at a state level at this point in our lives. Um, I mean, I guess it's not that much different than, than country to country, but it's definitely odd to me when there's states that that try to have this sort of thing because you know what, what would be the answer? I mean, what, what would they do they're, They probably could really somebody could really do some time for something like this. it could really right. It could become a very serious thing, and they're doing something that you know only so many miles away you're able to do legally Great well, bizarre term bizarre turn of events
0: that you have a 15 year old girl who wants to get an abortion goes out of state to get it an adult drives her over state lines so she can get an abortion that adult will probably go to jail for driving a minor over state lines to get an abortion there's all kinds of tricks to it man they're always hustling. Yeah. these guys are always hustling you know it's funny there was a um i was listening to this sarah silverman podcast and she was talking about there's some state that I don't know if it went through or they're trying to get it through. If you have an abortion, you have to pay a two thousand dollar fee, um, which covers the funeral of the fetus of the fetus.
1: God, the and, funeral uh, business is so when you hear how much it costs to do certain things, just to like have right. a normal death.
0: Well, Sarah Silkman says, she's like, well, I'm going to get into that tiny baby coffin business. Then
1: <laughs> yeah, that, is, <laughs> that is a brilliant joke.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can you Imagine though, uh, a 15 year old girl just going through probably one of the most like horrible things that ever happened to her in her life. And they're like, yo, you need a pony up 2 G to cover the baby's funeral. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with people, man?
1: I. This is the other thing too, is that like, we already know there are people out there trying to find ways to essentially abort their own feet. Like there, there's at least a pocket or a percentage of people who are Googling like, hey, can I take like sort of morning after pill, right. but you probably can find other avenues, like not just punching yourself in the stomach, but I mean, there are ways to try to give yourself a miscarriage, try to um sort i guess that sort of of route and and God, the potential damage of all that when somebody could have gone and gotten professional help and solved all of the the damage and risk and trauma that they're putting on themselves, and this baby that may or may not survive, i guess attempts to kill it mm-hmm. um it's just a it's just an oddly. It's an odd step back. I would hope that obviously I would hope that this wouldn't happen because my ultimate stance is, is that of yours. Like, I guess I understand that people draw a line, but at the same time I kind of see it as people aren't getting abortions because they want to get abortions and because they, they like abortion. They're getting it for other reasons. And I would think we should be able to understand that as much as it sucks. I get. I, I'm I'm one of the few people who's very very liberal when it comes to this stance, but I also completely understand where pro-lifers are coming from. I definitely have a soft spot for somebody who is that emotionally connected to the idea of life, mm-hmm. and somebody who like sheds tears over the idea of somebody getting an abortion. Right. They have their heart in a good place, but they're just not seeing the bigger picture, I would say.
0: Well, I think those people are different than the politicians. I don't exactly. think a single the politician that gives a fuck. No, they
1: Especially don't care. Especially
0: if it's a poor black girl, they'd be like, go ahead, mm-hmm. abort that shit. You know, they don't fucking care, yeah. but they can't say that.
1: They don't care about a lot. Th- that's the whole problem. That's the whole problem with a lot of this. And I think that's the problem with, the the main The main party politics is that it becomes so much more about politics and so much less about what they think and feel and or doing what feels right like like we're able to politic almost every decision, so right. it's not about being genuine to character
0: well you know the crazy thing is. A lot of times, the conservatives who are very anti abortion, they're the first ones to come out and be like, you can't teach, teach kids about sex in school, or, you know, well, we don't want to spend tax dollars on condoms and sex education. I'm like, dude, if you don't want unwanted babies, you better fucking give those condoms out. You better start teaching these kids at a very young age what's going on and do it honestly, not the way they, they want to do it and bringing God into the picture and bring it in like guilt and all that shit and, t- and tell my favorite is like, you got to teach abstinence. Listen, I think it's a good, it's, it's, it's good to talk about abstinence. Listen, that is the best way to avoid getting pregnant. But yeah. you are uh, an asshole of epic proportions. If you believe teenagers give a fuck about abstinence, there are a few they'll do they'll mind the rules, but dude, I don't know if you remember when I was 13, I mean, dude, I'd fuck a hole in a tree. Yeah, I did not give a fuck. I was a dirty, gross animal. Like, just a horny monkey all the time. And most uh, boys dude. are. And, you know, it's just like if someone would have told me, like, you know, abstinence is you know, the best thing for you, we're going one ear and out the other. I mean, it's just... Now, I never got laid in high school because no one would fuck me in high school. So yeah. that was my, the advantage I had of not getting laid or getting no interest in me was I couldn't get anyone pregnant and I was terrified of getting diseases. So you have to understand when I was in high school, that was like the height of the AIDS epidemic. So that's what okay. people were like. They didn't know if you could get AIDS from kissing somebody, you know? Right. And then, but at the same time, they're like, well, I remember I was in 10th grade and they're like, only gay people can get AIDS. Like, that's how old I am. And I was like, oh, that seems weird. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. So what if a gay person has sex with a straight person and I fucked that straight person? Couldn't I get AIDS? Like, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't add up. Um, but then I was like syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes. You know, I'm just like, Listen, I always had rubbers on hand, never got to use them, but I always had them on hand, you know, because I was terrified of getting a disease. But again, it's just like this, I, I'm so fucking tired of like that. The moral police, we got to teach these kids that, you know, sex at that age is very dangerous and it's not something they should do. I agree. I don't think anybody at 15 years old should be having sex. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It happens every day. It'll happen until the end of the world, you know? People right. want. And at that age, like, that's when things are moving. Like, that's when the, the hormones are on fire. You know, that's when you walk down the street and you get a boner for no reason. Like, what? Where, yeah. the, where did that come from, you know? I wasn't even thinking about anything. You know, I'm not a girl, but I've heard stories, you know, friends of mine, they're women. They're like, yeah, like when I was a girl, like I would imagine, like, what was I talking to A friend of mine said, I, I joked, and I said that uh, when I was in high school, I used to imagine all these girls in the class, like what they would look like naked, you know, with their clothes off. And she was like, oh, I used to do the same thing with boys. She's like, I would just imagine what, what their dicks look yeah. like, you know? And so again, you, you got 15 year old kids, that's all they're fucking thinking about and then some fucking old dude or woman's going to come in like you should probably not have sex it's the best thing for you yeah Fuck you never going to happen
1: it, it's it's just so backwards i mean at the end of the day like i i think that 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 we should normalize the idea not we should just accept the fact that it is normal to have sex for more than reproduction to, for pleasure for fun for a pastime, for a way, for a means to fall the fuck to sleep, to get (laughs) to know each other, to see if you connect and there's chemistry. I mean, there's a lot of things that it can be used for to, to enjoy the drugs you ingest in your system. No, I mean, I I, obviously I'm kind of joking, but, but for real, that's the world we live in. We live in a world where most people please themselves or, or they reach orgasm, at least most males probably do daily or, or every couple days, every few days at the least, unless they're, they're just like, just totally non-sexual, like, like they've had a history and they've just kind of hung up the gloves. But, but that's probably the ideal life. I wouldn't think it would be the ideal human life to not, to not, nut at least every, uh, every two to three days, I would say <laughs> right. the ideal, what would be ideal? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe skip a day here and there just so you're not like a bitch. And then if you get to the side where it's like above two times a day and you're like an adult, you're like, eh, maybe you got, maybe, maybe we need to back off a little bit. What's a healthy balance about daily, just under daily
0: person. You know, yeah. it depends on the person. Some people just have a very high sex drive.
1: Yeah. Which is totally fine. I mean, I I totally get it. I, I think it's actually very, very good for me to be so active and to play the sports. Like I can recall times in fight camp, you know, when I'm, when I'm getting beat up and throwing strikes and all that every day, like it definitely curbs my sex drive a little bit, especially when I'm cutting weight and all that. And it's nice to kind of feel like a less sexual being for a little bit of time. Um, you know, and it's, I am that person where I just burn up so much of my fuel that I don't have that, like just, and I do, but I don't, you know, like some days I don't, I don't have to spend a lot of energy for it um, or care that much about it as I would have before, but it's normal. And when you're young, it's so normal. It's like, it's your everything. What is cooler than the idea of having sex than when you're like, you would do anything for it. I, I never did drugs until I was older. Okay. Mm -hmm. Until I was 27. Right. But I remember there were girls where I would tell myself, dude, I would drink, I would smoke pot. I would do drugs if it meant, I could, I could spend time with that chick. Right. We could have fun. I remember I had, I had friends or I had girls that I had crushes on or whatever. And I, I used to think that, that I would break edge for a girl. Yeah. I used to tell that to people too. Like, are you straight edge? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Kind of, I'm not really sure. And then, and then I used to say I'd probably break edge for a girl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was and, it, uh, Dude, the first time I took acid was because of a girl. Yeah. Well, I was, I just started, well, kind of, I guess dating. Um, Bet you loved it. <laughs> it. It was like, well, yeah, it was the, I was like so into her, right? Yeah. It was like, if you ever done acid, and I was like, no, and I was scared, man. Like, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to freak out. But it was like, she was, I thought she was really hot. And like, I didn't want her to think that I wasn't cool. So I'm like, yeah, I fucking do acid with it. It was cool. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, girls will make you do crazy shit. And same with, and, and that's the thing, you know, like boys can be very influential in a, in a young girl's life, you know? So, right it's very easy for a boy to come along and and convince a young girl to have sex um, and when neither one of them are properly prepared. And then the next thing you know, she's pregnant and not always, but like dudes can split. I mean, that's the reality of it. We can leave anytime Um, and a girl can't. And again, it's like oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the people who make these laws are men.
1: And 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 is the law creating solutions or is it creating problems? Period. Yeah, you it's know? not.
0: It's it well. Again, it's conservatives love to be. You know, we need less government unless it involves shit that they don't like. You know. So here's yeah. an example. So te- so this also happened in Texas. Um, I think it was last week or maybe yesterday. I gotta find this thing because I pulled it up so I could read it to you. So you know, there's this critical race theory thing that i think is kind of fucked up um and they're using it as an excuse to decide what teachers can talk about when it comes to racism in the classroom and um so the and there's this texas is going to pa- pass this law that essentially will ban teachers from talking about racism um i think in a way that doesn't vibe with whatever curriculum that these guys come up with mm-hmm. so i i i didn't fully understand it. So I read an analysis of it and I'm going to read you, there's two paragraphs that that really bothered me. It said that the measure would ban lessons that cause students to feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of the individual's race or sex. So if you talk about race, I don't care what color you are, you're going to feel uncomfortable. If you're talking about uh, slavery, I suspect if you're black, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You know, if you're talking about the Holocaust, if you're Jewish, you're going to feel uncomfortable. If you're talking about the Civil War and back to slavery, I mean, if you're white, you might feel that kind of white guilt.
1: Yeah, I feel uncomfortable about it right now. (laughs) Are we supposed to be talking about this? Dude, I do. But you're right, you know, you're right.
0: and, And that, I think, is one of the biggest problems we have with race in this country is no one ever wants to fucking talk honestly about it. And, and you know, if you don't talk about it, it's not going to get better. So you know, in Germany, very early age, kids learn about the Holocaust. They learn about World War II. They learn about what happened. They don't try to sugarcoat it. They don't hide it. And by doing that, that's kind of they believe will help ensure that it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. No one, no one's, you know, leaving these classes going on. I feel so guilty that I'm German. You know, I feel so guilty that that I. It, Because it's taught to them in a matter of fact way, this happened. You weren't around yet, but this would happen in your country. Think about that, because things flare up, you know, and things can happen again. I think it's good for people to be honest about what happened. That way, there's a better chance of it not happening again. Um, The other thing that this thing said is, as teachers would not be allowed to assign students for a grade or extra credit to lobby for legislation, engage in political activism. Or advocate for social change. That in itself is education for life. If you want to be a um, a good member of society, a, you know, a, um, a responsible member of society, and you want to change things, and the teacher and they're telling you no, you can't do that. I mean, you can still do it, but from what I understand, the teachers cannot say, "Hey, this is an assignment. You know, find a cause and tell me how you would solve it," or or. Um, if how would how would what do you think about this law like how, what are your thoughts on it like have a debate for example I remember in college not this wouldn't apply to college but I remember in college in in um, I had a debate class there was you'd always bring up politics and you would have you would debate them it was a great exercise in critical thinking you know it taught mm-hmm. you how to become a persuasive uh, uh, speaker because you had to do research you had to come up with your persuasive message. Or as you're doing that, you could feel like you could find out, oh, wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't know this. Maybe I don't want to take this side anymore. It's a really important exercise. And again, it's, it's basically saying the teachers can't, can't do that. I, I think that that's a huge disservice to the students. Um, I always say, so I always say this. So people people always talk about how free Texas is. Like Rogan talks about this. It's like, oh, it's so free here and we don't have to wear masks and you know, there's less regulations here and everything. And I'm like, that's cool and all. Like I'm with you on most of that. Um, but they're trying to control women's bodies. Uh, they're trying to control the narrative about race you know, in schools. Um, yeah. And they still want fucking legalize weed. How free is that? That's not a free society.
1: No, not at all. There's like pockets and like Rogan's funny because I think like a lot of them, like Austin Texas and they're just oh, like yeah, yeah I, I love Austin I went two years in a row they had the. I, when I was involved in slam poetry I went to the national poetry slam two years in a row mm-hmm. in Austin I for some reason they held it at the same place two years in a row so I, I spent like a week there two years in a row just out of high school and absolutely loved it but I mean Texas is a huge state there's a lot going on in Texas and most people especially these celebrities are only so in tune like they don't follow the state politics they don't know all these specifics they probably only care so much like you you can't help but live in a little bit of a bubble when you're joe rogan i mean he does his best to not live in a bubble right the, the guy has to live in a bubble my my thing is this when i hear this so what don't we like, what are we trying to remove from school that the feeling of being uncomfortable, like that's what we're looking at, or are we isolating feelings of, of discomfort directly associated to race? And if that's what it is, how many things are we, do, do we not realize how many things, A, trigger discomfort, and B, trigger it through race and it's going to be a lot bigger and a lot broader and the second you present the option it's going to open up so many things and it's going to make people think they feel that way it's going to trigger a reaction by 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 flicking these dominoes and i don't know how i don't know exactly if you needed to approach an issue like this, like how you're supposed to handle it outside of case by case, situation by situation, trying to be as as reasonable and understanding and as logical and empathize, like all of these things individually with the situation. If it's something that teachers and schools and students should be more mindful of, so be it. But to say that you can't, do any i mean what what the hell like you won't be able to discuss anything in history if you if you're trying to 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 avoid triggering feelings of potential discomfort and what what is discomfort what is uncomfortable because is it little slivers of it is it little nerves of oh, i don't know how to talk about this topic is it anything pertaining to violence are we allowed to not should we not talk about war because it's scary and people get killed are we not i mean how about how about native american history I mean, talk about something that gets extremely overlooked, um, marginalized, not cared about. Nobody cares if you say Native American or American Indian, or they don't care about the, the, the verbiage. They don't care about the history. It's like, yeah, we were wrong about all this, and the history is wrong, but who cares? We're not going to change our holidays. We're not going to change our mindfulness of this, right? Like, and, and, and it's funny because we just dial in. When you hear racial discomfort, My big thing that I forget oftentimes, and it's not the case, my mind immediately gravitates towards black and white. When I think of race in America, I cannot, and racial issues and inequality and all that, for some reason, I only think of black and white, like off the bat, that's the initial thing. That might partially have to do with the white guilt, for the but then again shouldn't there be some of that for for native American uh his, you know as well should I, then you got like you get like the the stuff going on with the Mexican border that's a big racial thing when you actually look at all of the racial divide and turmoil it, it it's tenfold the fact that we we not only do we not know the difference between different parts of asia we we commonly say who cares they all look the same anyway and that's <laughs> held lightly but then you can you can say that not that you can but in a way you can get away with certain things it's so much gray area and it's so confusing you can't you can't create these bizarre rules though yeah, it's well, too complicated I
0: don't, I don't think they they care about making kids uncomfortable i think it's them wanting to go back to the time where History overlooked all the bad shit because, like, a lot of history in schools, it was always taught like America's number one and this is the best place on earth. And it almost presents in a way that we've never done anything wrong, you know. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, you you get some notes of slavery in there, but I just really feel like, particularly in this case, I think there's two things happening. One is they just want to continue the everything's cool 1950s, you know. Uh, American history mentality. I also think that you have a big push from the left that's pushing this idea in, and I don't know a lot about critical race theory, but, um, and I've seen some people push this idea where like kids are gonna learn how they, like white kids would learn how they, because they're white, will not only benefit from white supremacy, but could be a part of it. I think that's a slippery slope because, you know, I think it's okay to identify what white supremacy is, but you can't look at white, white kids and be like, well, you're responsible for this. You're partly responsible because you're white. Because that's what some on the left are saying. Like Almost like when you're at a young age, you immediately have to feel that white guilt. You immediately have to feel like, like that you've done something wrong. I can see the point in that situation. Um, because it shouldn't be like that, but at the same time, it's kind of like you can't not talk about white supremacy right. in, in, in this country. It exists on, It existed at every level. It still exists today. You know it's, it still exists today. when you think about how many white people have been you know shot up movie theaters and shit and are still alive, and how many black people got caught with drugs and are fucking dead. that is a form of white supremacy in a very extreme form of it. And it still exists today. So it needs to be discussed. um, But you can't, you can't point to an eight year old white kid and be like, you're responsible for this. Slow down. You know, I I think that I I know people, there are some people in the left that think that we should do that. They think that's the best way to fight white supremacy. I think that is um, a flawed way to look at it. I think the best way to look at it is just be fucking honest. You know, there's a lot of stuff.
1: Exactly. I was just thinking that
0: honesty. Think about this. I don't know what you've learned over the years after college, after high school, but like for me, um, I read this book called uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me, and it's just about historical inaccuracies and you know who really came to this. Oh, that's a
1: brilliant book. concept for a book, by the way. It's brilliant concept. It's been
0: around for ages. You should check it out. It's been around for like 30 years. It's a great book, um, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, but also like the Tuskegee experiment. I never learned about that in high school. Right. I never learned about the war on drugs, like how it started and how it was designed to basically persecute brown and black people. That's a reality. That's, you mm-hmm. know what I learned in high school about drugs? Don't do drugs, just say no. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's what I learned about drugs. There's a reality that's never is never being discussed. And until we discuss it openly and honestly in, the, in a school environment, shit is not gonna change. I mean, maybe it'll change incrementally because we have the internet now so we can get access to, to real information. But like we said before, like how many people are really gonna look this shit up at a high school? As high school is good, I would have looked it up.
1: Yeah, no, it's, we have bigger problems than, than trying to be able to affect whether or not we can avoid making somebody uncomfortable in the classroom. I mean, it's, everything's an individual situation. If a kid's uncomfortable, then they can be honest about it. And if they're extra sensitive, Maybe you can you can go the extra mile for that kid, find a way to not make them be in that classroom for whatever reason, if they're that sensitive and it's that difficult of content matter. Maybe they might not have to to be there for the class. Like, hey, whatever lengths you want to go for that kid, it's individual. You can't expect to just make people not discuss things that might trigger some sort of emotion or some sort of a reaction that that's an a it's just so obviously impossible and i think you're actually showing the path to create more of the problem that you're trying to avoid right. i think it actually it actually finds more of what it is trying to eliminate that's what i see with this sort of attitude you're creating the problem that you're solving uh, essentially, mm-hmm. or, or maybe spending a, a, a nickel to save a penny or some bullshit, uh, like that. And, and yeah, honesty, honesty should be the ultimate goal, period, period. So much of of the problems is, is a lack of honesty. What, what is the biggest problem? with, with kids and getting pregnancy, sometimes it was what you're talking about. Lack of knowledge,
2: mm-hmm.
1: lack, lack of honest information. Um, like I, like I said, you know, we should normalize things that are normal. We should try to educate on things that are common human uh, things and, and being able to understand things that are uncomfortable is going to be an inevitable part of life, you know, and, and we live in a weird I don't like using. Oh, we live in a pampered society, and we try to make everything so comfortable. I'm not that type of a hard ass, and if somebody really is that sensitive, you know, I, I would feel bad for them, and I would want to. Ma- I would want to make them as comfortable as possible, even if I thought they were being ex- a bit extreme. That's not really for me to say, and I, I would like everyone to feel included in in as positive a manner as possible. But. But I mean, God, when you're talking about something like history, it's inevitably as, as triggering as could be. And, and, it sh- and, it, and in a way, it really should be. Because what are we trying to learn from these things? What are we trying to, you know, not, not continue? What are we trying to be aware of our past? And uh, r- racial stuff, man, that is, that is a hard one to tackle.
0: Well, listen, I mean, huh. history is only going to be as accurate as the people teaching it decide they want it to be. Right. So we can talk about honesty. We know certain things have happened over the years, but there are some people that make these laws that still say shit about how the Native Americans are better off because we brought all these Western ideas to them. Mm-hmm. Rick Santorum was saying shit like that, you know. Marjorie Taylor Green was a yesterday. Did that she was the third or fourth Republican to say this in the last few months. Wearing a mask is just like the Holocaust. Really? Really? Mm. You know, trivializing the Holocaust is not a really good way to teach the history no. of what happened, really we, happened there. And we that, really trivialize that a lot. I know, right? And that's like the new that's like the new black for the GOP. It's like like when the Palestinian Israeli conflict was happening last week, all these conservatives were like, We have to protect the Israelis, this is anti Semitism, but one of their own does some fucking serious anti Semitism, not a fucking word. They don't give a Mm -hmm. shit about the Jews. No one gives a fuck about the Jews. No one's ever cared about the fucking Jews. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, whatever fits the narrative, you know, that's what they're going to go with. So it's hard. It's a really, you're right. It's so hard because what is the truth that you're going to share with these kids about history, about racism? You cannot teach, accurately teach history of this country without teaching about white supremacy. Just right. saying that, I know people will be like, oh, you, you think you're so woke and all that bullshit. It's not about being woke. It's about being honest. Yeah, it's just a fact. I'm not saying that, you know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to be like the, the biggest ally and everything. And, you know, and I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to start a fight. Again, I'm just trying to present, it's like an observation of truth. We refuse <laughs> to look at the, we refuse to observe truth whether it's because we're so stuck in our ways or we just don't want to hear the truth. And I think that's a lot of it too.
1: I think that it, it must be very, very interesting to be both a cis white male and Jewish because it is such a conflicting sort of like a social sort of, um, you know the the labeling of things and and the way you should feel as a person and and carrying your history and 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 all this it's like being such an obviously of such an obviously persecuted history oppressed history difficult history but also trying to be told that you are the problem as well it's just such a such a weird thing um i think you know acknowledging it
0: acknowledge is it okay i don't really carry white guilt because i don't i I see no use in it um yeah but i can acknowledge certain things like yes like i'm jewish but i'm white so like i've never had a problem getting a cab you know i've never been hassled by the cops it's because i'm white dude
1: awareness it's not guilt it's awareness you have white awareness awareness. you're aware of what comes of being you your circumstances, your history, you have Jewish awareness. You have, I didn't get laid in high school awareness. (laughs) You know, I mean, not to be a dick, but it's like, you're aware of things that come with being you and you are, you are that. And there's more to it than, like I said, when I think of race, I think of black and white inherently, and I can't help it. Um, but There are a lot of factors, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of people to consider, and we are of different, whether you want to say it's privileges or whatever, we're of different awareness, and uh, it comes with positives and negatives, and I I am very fortunate, like when you think of the word privilege, obviously, obviously. I am an extremely privileged person for so many reasons. I am like the top species in one of the top countries to be birthed into, into one of the top situations of like parents. Like I, not only did I, did they have enough money and everything to like, take care of my essential needs. It was enough like work where I I had to like develop a sense of like, like I had the perfect type of situation. I experienced trauma, turmoil, family issues, but it didn't ruin anything. It didn't jade anything. Hmm. I love my circumstances, right? I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm the most privileged person I could ever imagine, Right. Like that's the way I see myself. So if anybody understands privilege, it's me. I'm fucking six foot two, Jack Diesel. I can kick anybody's ass I want. I'm funny. I, I usually can get what girl I want if I try really hard, despite being super overthinking and not like not like a you know smooth talker. Initially, I've got it made, dude. I'm a perfect person to talk privilege. I'm likable. I'm. I'm good at talking. I'm a good read of person. All of these things are tremendous privilege, dude. We come from the right time. Imagine being birthed into a different time period where like your, your main thing is how do we just survive and not die? How do we not die? How do we get food? You know? It's a privilege. It's a privilege to to be able to be taught real life skills. It's a privilege to have a father and a mother and and things that can teach you all sorts of things. It's like, is there privilege of being uh, white? Yeah. Is there? But there's also a privilege of having both parents. There's a privilege of having a sibling. There's a privilege of having friends growing up. There's. It's infinite. It's individual. Everything that we try to label and generalize is far too subjective. And that's why laws rarely make sense. That's why laws rarely, rarely make enough sense, or at least the ones that, that I, that's the one thing I love about the more, since we've been doing this podcast, I've been taking note to libertarianism more and more. I listened to Lex Friedman's podcast. I don't know if you know Lex, but he has a podcast and he has a very analytical uh, matter of fact, uh, stereotypical Russian, which we should feel worse for saying he's very Russian, right? We shouldn't even be able to say that, but the dude's Russian is shit and it's okay in this world to say that. And I'm cool okay with it. Yeah. He's very Russian in the way he sees right. things. Right. And he broke down libertarianism on an episode a little bit more from like an ideology, which I love. It wasn't the mm-hmm. politics of it. It was like that nonviolence. Um, and it was like this, uh, I forget the way he worded it. I wish I had written it down because I thought I was going to remember. And then I was like, ah, damn, I forgot. But either way, he was just like the philosophy of, I mean, part of it was like a non-violent, non-harm, considering the harm that we do to others. Like I mind my own, you mind your own, and we're aware. I, I think like, uh, almost like there's, there's, there's a, lot, a lot of parallels to you understand the idea of utilitarianism, right? Greater grain, gator number, greater number. To me, that is like sort of a principle of what I think most people consider their political party. Most people would probably say that their political party aligns with greater gain, greater number. I think libertarians do a pretty good job of running things through that filter. Who gains from this? Is there really anything to gain? Is, does this solve any problems? Does this, does this help people out? Or does it create more problems? Who benefits, who doesn't? And I think that's like, that's how the law, that's why they come with the ideas they do for the laws and that's why they trim a lot of fat. And And um, that's why they think the way they do about things like violence, things about, you know, people who are victimized, people who are um, like you're saying, personal sovereignty, personal freedoms, all of these things. I I think um, I don't even remember where exactly I, I began with this on this, but but that idea in general is very important to think about, regardless of what I was connecting to earlier. When you think of these situations and all this, it's like. It's important to be aware of everybody, consider everybody and and not, where did I come from? Where did, where did I even get started on saying that? The
0: privilege, that's where it started. Yeah, the
1: privilege, that's right. Yeah, and everybody is an individual and everybody should be considered, understood to the best that we can and tried to be taken care of without it negatively affecting others or being too much of a strain in general. And um, I was thinking about the idea of how a lot of poly- like political parties claim that but I think the libertarian scope or the one that you try to run things through reminds me it reminded me of the idea of utilitarianism back then which is probably a good thing for a political party to remind yourself of by the way an extremely untalked about concept greater gain greater number like what a good filter to run things through that we never fucking talk about um and I do like I like the bare bones nature because everything we've talked about today, these policies that get brought up, that is very opposite of what libertarians would, would probably align with. Right. I mean, that's probably part of the reason you, you decided to talk about these things, but, but I think that, that, that is a really, these, the flawed nature of trying to draw a line in the sand and say these things about well, this person shouldn't be able to feel uncomfortable this and then we, we create this divide because we're going to be catering to what potentially the black and white issue right that race thing it's probably going to hyper focus on certain parts of history so this part of history is going to be triggering but this part of history might not be we might we might mark now we might marginalize murder but we're not going, but but then if somebody was potentially a slave owner who was a president, we're going to make sure everybody knows X, Y, and Z about this person. Mm-hmm. These people should feel bad about their history and who they are. And I mean, God, we're just creating this madness when I think it should just be left alone and be honest about everything and understanding and taken on a smaller scale individual level. Yeah, and that's a rant, and it went in a million different directions. <laughs> yeah, but it's a I, podcast.
2: But you,
0: I know what you're saying, and it, it, it all it is all relevant to what we're talking about. Yeah, I know it's hard to teach history. I mean, you have a, a very small amount of time to discuss a lot of things. Even if you if you discuss history from grade one to grade twelve, I mean that's and you do it what forty minutes a day or three days a week. I don't even know how they do it now, but it's not a lot of time to and, and it's such a if you're talking not just us history but world history right history the world and and so let's you know i'm not going to do the math real quick but you know 12 years of school how many how many it's not even a full year it's like what you have eight school runs for eight months i guess
1: and yeah, three days a week tops. 40 minutes
0: a day you're going to talk about history i mean how can you pot you got you you can't do everything so you have to figure out um I guess the most important things um, and electives are good too, because maybe there's something that you would like to learn. Maybe if you're a kid, I think would be, I would think electives would be, uh, a history elective would be a lot more interesting too, if it was, um, again, like honest, so there was a, so I, I remember seeing this on some history show one time about the founding fathers and the guys that that did the, uh, I think it was the night that Paul Revere ran you know, the story of Paul Revere, and he went and, and, and warned yeah. everyone the British are coming. Like, this history, and I, again, don't quote me on this. I'm not, I'm not fact-checking it, but if I remember correctly, it was something about the dude was a drunk. Like, all these dudes were fucking drunk as shit. Like, a lot of the guys that were the original, you know, Revolutionary War soldiers were basically, like, dudes that were just fucking drunk all the time. And they're like, we don't want to deal with the fucking king anymore. Fuck this motherfucker. There's. I wish I could. I wish I could find the episode. It was like, I think it might have been under Drunk History that showed Drunk History. Oh yeah.
1: You know, that's and, a great idea for a show, by the way. It is Drunk a great history. You know, oh. How interesting did it make history? You yeah. know. Yeah. Oh.
0: So that kind of shit. Explain it like that. Sarah vow is a as a an author that wrote. She writes history books, and they're kind of they're somewhat comical, but they're like honest. So it's almost yeah. like she's saying some uncomfortable shit, but she does it in kind of a comical way. So um, it makes it very interesting and she did this book um it's called Curious Fishes about how Hawaii was discovered by the west and and how you know went from you know never seeing white people to the white people showed up and and basically killed off like ninety percent of the population with uh, disease and you know made them wear clothes in the tropic and like all this crazy shit, but it's a really interesting story. It's an accurate account of a more accurate account of of Hawaii than I learned because the only thing I learned about Hawaii and and High school was when it became a, a state that's pretty much it you yeah. know, And it doesn't always have to be around like negative stuff too i mean there's a lot of great things have happened in this country i mean the fact that we still have somewhat of a democracy the fact that you know this was a, a country that you know people in this country have done a lot of great things um, for the global society um, and those things shouldn't be erased either but you can't just have the good and not the bad. You got to show both of it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, how cool would that be? I mean, I would have definitely taken a, a history elective if it was something interesting. You know, the history of the drug war. You could do a whole fucking semester on that.
1: Oh, oh 100%. I think that's, uh, you learn a lot about history and, and what comes of things and, and a time by really focusing in. You know, it's hard when you just, oh, here's a little bit of this, here's a little bit of that. Like somebody who's really studied a specific thing in history, they have a different wisdom when it comes to what you can learn from history, how how detailed you can get, how wrong history can be. You start learning and studying it from all of the different things. Like we know, I don't mean American history as, as in like, we know our own history. I mean, as in we know it is in its it's our version of it. There are different versions. And when you compare and contrast, it would be like you could do a whole history class just on differences between history according to culture according to state the amount of the amount history has changed in the way it's taught over time just in 20 years 30 years then how dated is the history that we're teaching how often do they update it what areas Ooh. are more updated how behind the curve are certain areas i mean you could study just the style in which history is taught there's so much and you have so much
0: you have to be flexible because we discover new things all the time not we yeah you know smart people (laughs) (laughs) you know uh you know the history of you know a new they find this new mummy somewhere and they find certain elements on you know and they're like well we didn't know that this element existed back then so that might change geological history i mean yep you have to be flexible you can't and again, I'm going back to when I was in high school, it was a very long time ago, reading history books that were written in the, in the 70s, that were, were not completely out of date, but very much out of date by the time I got to them. An yeah. and, I can't, I'm, and I'm sure they're different now, but how much, how much different they are, I, I really don't know. And it's sad because I think a lot of kids aren't going to get an accurate representation of of history, of history when you have people that are worried about, well... I don't want to talk about white supremacy because it might make white people feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I mean, again, it's just, every culture feels bad at some point during a history class. Can you imagine, can you fucking imagine what it must've been like for a Vietnamese kid in a high school class in the eighties, when you learn about how we went to Vietnam to spread democracy, no, and you mm-hmm. know, that's bullshit. Or when they got here, the Vietnamese were just fucking crucified, you know, by people that lived here because they thought they were communists and they were coming here to take over the United States. And really they were fucking refugees and hated communism. And they came here for safety, you know. Or I remember being in middle school and there was a, an Iranian kid on my bus. The only thing I knew about Iran at the time was the Shah, the um, Ayatollah Khomeini. And there was, a, there was a, a song, a hit song called Bomb Iran. It was like a takeoff of uh, Barbara, uh, Barbara Ann. Uh, oh, God. That's all I knew. So the first time I meet this Iranian kid, my instinct as a fucking, I don't know, 11 or 12-year-old is like, he's the enemy. What's an mm-hmm. Iranian kid doing? Meanwhile, like, I come to find out his dad escaped with his family from Iran um, because I think he was like an a, um, uh, uh, educator of some sort, like an academic and was teaching things that the government didn't want taught and they were going to put him in jail and like literally they had a fucking escape and they came to this country to seek refuge that's a real a story that's that's real history that's real historical accuracy you know now, in middle school I didn't learn about that I mean it's different again it's different now because time has changed times have changed I think people are right. a little more open-minded about discussing these realities but I don't know, man. I, haven't, I, haven't, I, should, I should really try to find a high school yearbook and, and see, you know, what they're talking about. And moreover, I want to see a high school yearbook, or a high school yearbook, from, a year, a high school yearbook. Book, um, you know, in Maryland versus wine in Mississippi.
1: That's exactly it, yeah. It's, cra- it's, it's probably pretty crazy. I would love to know the discrepancies country to country. Like the way things are taught, um, you know, completely – I would love to know what others, I've Googled this a lot. I've always liked reading what other countries think of America and American politics. And, you know, like for instance, when Trump was in office, my big thing was I would want to know what do Germans think of Trump? What do these people, not that it's, but it's going to be a little bit more clear and a little bit less divided. I think when you look at how other countries view it, as opposed to it being so polarized within your own country, the same way, like Most people probably see the Baltimore Ravens somewhat similarly outside of our area. But if you talk sports in a local area, the local newscasters, the local sportscasters have such intense polarizing views. That that I always want to know. But what do the ESPN analysts think? I don't want to know what the local guy thinks. Yeah, (laughs) I I always like that sort of thing. So you you bring up some things that make me wonder a lot about history and and view and just how how we're forced into a vision when it comes to this kind of stuff. And honesty is is rarely the priority. Um, The academia hides a lot of stuff. From sometimes it costs too much money. Like I don't know. How much you get into, or it 's just like it 's like the old guard, so to speak, still exists and doesn 't want to tarnish what their knowledge is doesn 't want to update what their knowledge is, so there 's like a lot of politics that go into changing big parts of history. Egyptology is a huge one like i don 't know how much you 're into. Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson and all those Rogan people but I mean like it's insane to hear them talk about they actually debated that skeptic guy on Rogan about Egyptology and the history of all that and that guy actually came to admit that he was a little wrong and in and he acts that that Graham and Randall actually did have a lot of points or things that Maybe he misspoke in, in engaging them. So they bring up all these things that, like, nobody is able to tear apart their side of history, but we can still, we can still make it not taught in schools. We can still make us not learn it. So we're controlling. Right. Academia controls so much information.
0: Academia does, and academia is also very opposed to change, as you just yeah. said with, with the stuff that Graham Hancock was doing. You yeah. Know? Like, I understand that you want, um, you know, employ the scientific method. You know, you want, you need proof. You need verifiable proof. You need studies. You need, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, when other people agree, fuck. I know um, what you mean. Yeah. Um, Peer reviewed studies, you know. That yeah. That stuff is all necessary. But to completely dismiss it because it's not what you spent the last 30 years learning. Is it is an exercise of of, in laziness? Yeah, you get stuck in your ways, and you're not willing to consider another point. I understand the initial idea to kind of blow something off if it's completely completely you know new to your world. But if there's like even a a a shred of 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 curiosity, I would think that you would want to know. Have I been wrong for thirty years? Wouldn't be a good idea to to figure this out because if, if i'm not wrong then i just reconfirm something i believe you know right. i don't know academia generally speaking tends to be very scared of of change which is unfortunate um i don't know shit about i didn't even think about egyptology until uh graham hancock or even i didn't even think about the, um like the Olmecs or just the history of north america like the you know, pre, you know, prehistoric you know uh, north america until I listen to that guy and he's talking about these sound waves and they could see these cities underneath, you know, the ground and you can see them and you're like, holy shit, like this guy discovered something. And that's the thing about academia. Academia is very much like if you didn't go through this procedure, go, through, go to college, go, go to, um, you know, get your master's, your, your doctorate, if you didn't follow these steps, you're not relevant. Know. that's unfortunate because there are a lot of very smart people in this world that never went to high school or college. They just read and they learn and they're curious. And uh, I think, you know, that's unfortunate. That those people are so quickly dismissed. Um, and yeah. uh, with that Graham Hancock, I mean, I never, like I said, I never heard about the guy until maybe five, six years ago. And again, from Rogan and I started watching his YouTube clips and I was like, this is pretty interesting yeah. stuff
1: there's a lot to uh academia gravely overlooks the art of of wisdom and practice and um not that everything you study can be learned through practice but you get a lot of people who it's like uh as a matter of fact they were talking about it today at the gym there were you know the police officers were talking about discussing police work with people who the only thing they have is uh, Criminal, criminal justice degree and what those people think they know is so much larger than what they know. I have, I have a friend who's like super into uh philosophy, you know, I don't know if he's, I think he has his master's now and he's going to school and he, and he has all this different knowledge and all this, but it's like, he doesn't have anything in his life that he's applying anything that he's learned too. So it's like, you're not applying all of this philosophy. You're living a very, you're not living your best life. Okay. Let's put it that way. And you're not applying all of this type of thing that you're learning. And then you're claiming that you're this like person of, of extreme knowledge and wisdom. And because you can regurgitate things that other conclusions that other people came to through, through means of which you did not accumulate that information you know practice like blue collar you you could take a class on landscaping and you could you could study it but if you haven't worked in landscaping you're going to make so many mistakes and you're going to be wrong about so many things as a matter of fact so many jobs in the blue collar field unless it's mandatory or so many jobs where it's like you can have some schooling you actually hear people we want you not to know we don't want you to have that. That's going to hurt you. You're going to think, you know, things that you don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think that I, at this point in my life professionally as a strength and conditioning coach, as somebody that is, is full-time dedicated myself to being an athlete, I've, I've, I've been involved in different between strength sports, uh, martial arts, regular sports, coaching teams, uh, uh People who are older, kids, all these things, and, and and a general success in getting them to have obvious tracked progress without risking grave injuries or having any really problems. Knock on wood, uh, of that sort along the way. I'm a pretty good candidate to discuss things in that wheelhouse. Right. But but I would tell you that almost everything I learned in order to get my certification uh, was 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 probably counterproductive towards the information and wisdom that I have acclimated through uh, training and, and the principles in which I base practice off of, they're not taught in academia. Mm -hmm. They're not. And, and people come out of of PT school thinking they, they know the answer. Oh, you have back pain. Well, you need to do this stretch. You need to do this. You need to do that.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And it's like, man, like, it's not as simple as that and that's a big problem with academia is they want to convince people that they know and they want to convince people that things and i don't know i think about the academia thing a lot because people tell me all the time oh my god you should go to pt school you should go to school for this you should go to school for that and i'm like i should go to school for nothing unless i want to wrestle because i hate academia I am the, I am like Mr. Anti-Academia in so many ways, man. Uh-huh. I, the politics, it's the politics.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you definitely get most in academia. Um, you know, there's a lot of left-leaning people in, in the world of academia. and um,
1: Colleges. They They're taking over the colleges. It's getting crazy.
0: I think it's always been like that, honestly. I don't Has it, it? Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but. I know, like, imagine the 60s. I can't imagine there were, like, a lot of, like, right-wing guys teaching philosophy, you know? Yeah. Um, I went to a pretty conservative college, and most of the – I would say the majority of the teachers there were left-leaning. Yeah. Um, Probably not by a lot. It was probably about 60-40, roughly. Um, But even the ones that were on the right, they were pretty rational people, though. They weren't, like, off the deep end right yeah and the ones that were on the left were pretty rational they, they weren't off the deep end left either it was it was kind of a nice middle of the road kind of thing um it's it's weird though because when I think about kids going to college you know I'm glad I went to college because it helped me in a lot of ways in terms of just knowing how to interact with people who weren't like me and I needed mm-hmm. that at that age at that point in my life because I only knew people like me. And that's no way to live. You can't have a fulfilling life if you don't know how to interact with all types of people. So college helped me with that a lot. And also just taking certain classes that I found valuable. Did I come out of college with any tangible skills? Probably a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I pro- the skills I learned in college, I probably could have learned in a year, not four. Um, but when I think about my kids going off to college, I'm, you know, I've, I haven't told them. They actually so young, but when they're older, I'm like, listen, you are not, you do not have to go to college. You can go to yeah. state school. You can go to the military. You can start a business. You know, I will help you. Um, if you want to go to college, that's awesome. You know, but I don't like this idea. And I think it still persists to this day in, in school where like, it's just understood where are you going to go to college? That's a, that's a, I don't think that's, that's doing anyone any, any, uh, any good, you know, it, there are people I went to college with who, you know, they, they regret going to college. They regret spending all that money. They do nothing in their current jobs that required any kind of schooling at that level, you know, and they're perfectly happy with their jobs too. I think a lot of people don't need to go to college, but it's, part, right. you know, it's like, it's part of the agenda. You got to go to college, got to go to college. You're one of the smartest people I know or knew was the uh, Steve Mears who's the bass player for dog fashion for many years. One of the smartest dudes I ever met. He never went to college. Mm-hmm. I think he, he got, he went to the Navy eventually. I think he like drives submarines <laughs> or some shit like that.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. Um, my, my, uh, my brother-in-law didn't go to college. Just fucking smart as hell. Like he doing 3d printing shit in his, in his garage for his hobby. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, you know, we've talked a lot today about schools and what they're teaching and history and, and, uh, and how things are taught and what kind of laws are going to be put in place. I think at the end of the day, we can look at this podcast and say, you know, the school system, and we know this is broken. It needs, it needs an upgrade. It needs to be fixed. I don't know how to fix it because there's so many levels, but I know that creating laws that tell teachers they can't talk about things is not the way to do it. Banning books is not the way to do it. Um, keeping kids from being able to get abortions if they get pregnant at 15 is not how you do it. Um, and of course, you know, pushing kids to go to college um, is not how you do it. So I think we yeah. just, I think we actually just solved the school problem. I should call yes. Biden and be like, dude, we figured it out. Me and Mike figured it out. Mm-hmm. You think we can get a meeting with them?
1: Uh, you, honestly, with him, you never know. Yeah, you might, that would be, you, my my big thing, like my wrap up for what I think about it would be, um, and I would be curious to know. For some reason, the country of Germany just pops off in my head, just because I know the way they value their their education. I would just like to know who seems to be, and this is impossible to say definitively, who seems to be the most honest and most successful with their academia making it an important prioritized part of uh you know um society but also up to date mm-hmm. balanced uh considerate like like efficient what what school what what system of schooling seems to be the best so that would I be my I don't know the
0: answer that question but as you were saying that, I was thinking which system is heavily weighted in being dishonest in which countries china north korea korea iran yeah um, probably a lot of middle eastern countries and yeah US, and the u.s is
1: definitely in that list has, has to, to, to be that. has to be i would think canada is probably a, a fairly neutral i would imagine i don't know though i know they're pretty liberal in general but i would imagine they have a little bit more of a um, honest scope, I would well, think. I don't know, but I think it's it's also
0: hard because if you think about Western European countries, okay, so if you think about Germany or Sweden or Finland, um, Switzerland, France, um, these are all places where there's not, well, maybe not France, but especially if you go to like the Nordic countries, it's, it's primarily white. There's not a yeah. lot of diversity there. So it's easier. I think you're going to have less issues when you have, uh, a, 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 a population of people that all look the same, you know, there yeah. are, I love living in a country where there's a lot of diversity. I appreciate that. But with that does come, you know, issues, yeah. you know, whether it's how these people got here, the different types of people, the different cultures and races, how they get along. Um, and making
1: sure they're not getting uncomfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, I remember working at um at this hotel in Baltimore. I was a bellman and there was the um, World Cup was happening in DC. So this was like 94, I think. And there were a bunch of dudes there from Sweden that were staying at the at the building and they were all soccer players. And they asked me, oh, "Do you play soccer?" I said, "No." I said, "I've never played soccer." I said, "Do you play sports?" I said, "Well, I play basketball like just down the street from my house, you know, there's a bunch of people that just always go to the courts. And this, this is where I lived in, um, in like, uh, South Charles village. In <laughs> so um, anyway, so I, I was like, uh, he's like, Oh, yeah, I like basketball. And he says to me, he's like, So do you play with all the niggers? And I was like,
1: <laughs> oh God.
0: And I, I, I was like, Okay, okay, hold on. He's not from here. He doesn't understand. But the fact that he went right to that, That is that is evidence of that is evidence of systematic racism. The fact that this guy's thought process was he's playing basketball, so he must be playing with black people, and he referred to them
1: in that manner. Was he? Do you think he was trying? Do you think that's the way he says it, or do you think part of him was playing to the audience and would assume that that's the way you would say it? I don't know, but he laughed when he said it. So he definitely. I mean, he's definitely. He, there was definitely at least part of him that that felt that way he himself. He, yeah, it wasn't just yeah. an assumption. He definitely this wasn't had a win in Rome.
0: Less he had less respect for black people than he did for white people.
1: Absolutely. I said this definitely wasn't a case like, well, since I'm in America, I better start calling them this. You know, no, it wasn't I that wasn't one of those. No. God. You know, a that catches of was, me off guard when other people from other countries are sometimes really racist. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so naive to how racist yeah. some areas of the world are.
0: I know. And, you know, it was like, I was like, should I tell this guy that that's not a really good thing to say out loud in Baltimore? Or should I just let him get his ass beat? Yeah. You know? But then I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he just doesn't know any better. So I kind of schooled him real quick. I'm like, dude, that's not cool. That's not appropriate. It's highly offensive. Um, yeah. If you want to come down and play basketball with us, this is when we play, come on over. Um, we'd love to have you. You know, I was very yeah. calm about it. I didn't, I didn't try to like shame him. Cause that would have gotten us nowhere. Exactly. Um, but at the same time inside, I was like, fuck you, you racist piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what he, what he thought <clears throat> when I said that to him. He's like, Oh, okay. Okay. And then that was it. I never saw the guy again. Um, but who knows? He probably had walked off and it's probably like, ah, oh, that fucking kike motherfucker standing up. The yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Cause he did look, you know, he had like the white,
0: the blonde hair and the blue eyes and you know, he was very Aryan looking, you know, like, oh, yeah. So who knows? But yeah, well, listen, that was a great, it's always a great
1: podcast. Always a great man. one.
0: Always. Fun a great conversation. We got to talk about schools and history and racism and abortion. What's more fun than talking about abortion?
1: Yeah. We covered all of these topics and I'm not overly embarrassed by anything I said. So that's a success. That'll happen eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again for another good episode. Awesome.
0: Thanks for listening until next time. Be well, be free. We're
2: out. Peace.